Next on BYU Sports Nation, after two losses to South Dakota and most recently Utah Valley, BYU may have hit rock bottom. What do you think? We'll discuss. Jay Hill and Kelly Papinga join us in studio. What's their vision for the BYU team? Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, December 9th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. I should say December 8th. Oh, you just, you, listen, so, last something night, I've... Last night was so bad, I just kind of <laughs> forgot about the entire month of December. This is what I've always admired about. You take it two days at a time. Like, most of us are just, like, yeah. right here. You're like, listen, yeah. what's going on today and tomorrow? Which is fine. Uh, yeah, last night was tough. We'll talk about men's hoops lost to Utah Valley. Oh, boy, coming up on the show. Jay Hill and K-Pop joined the program. What's their vision for the defense, as we talked about? Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark reinforces his expansion stance. Which teams do we think are in the mix? Jacob Conover finds a home. Where does Blake Freeland rank among the top tackles in the country? And how many more tables could Cosmo stack in his feats of strength? That's a great question. Here are today's headlines. BYU basketball loses to Utah Valley in the Marriott Center. 75-60. 15-point home setback. Fusini Traore led BYU with 18 points. Didn't get help basically anywhere else. Second straight loss to Utah Valley for BYU. The Wolverines now have a win streak against the Cougars. That's the world we live in. Yeah. Things do not get any easier for BYU. They prepare now for number 21 Creighton in a neutral site game in Las Vegas on Saturday. They're 5-5 five and five in danger of dropping below 500. New BYU defensive coordinator Jay Hill was introduced in a press conference yesterday as seen right here on BYU Sports Nation. Hill said BYU football has a very high ceiling. I know this is a place where we can play high-level football. They've done it consistently through Kalani's career. That was something very intriguing to me. And uh, I'm excited to just see what this can become because uh, I think the sky's the limit. Hey, I believe him. Hill and uh, Kelly Papinga, who's a special teams coordinator and TBD position coach on the defense, will join us later in the show. The College Football Network has released their postseason awards. It includes Jaron Hall as the Independent Player of the Year. His favorite target, Puka Nakua, the Wide Receiver of the Year. Blake Freeland is the Offensive Lineman of the Year. Both Puka and Freeland earned honorable mention All-American awards. And BYU as a unit gets the Offensive Line of the Year. Chris Brooks, Isaac Rex, Cody Epps, and Max Tooley all receive second-team All-Independent honors. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark says he's looking to expand in a conversation with the media last night. We'd love to get into that fourth time zone, and we will at some point, he said. Who is he referring to? We'll discuss that later in the whip round. BYU quarterback, now former BYU quarterback Jacob Conover announces that he'll transfer to Arizona State. He's going home. Announced on social media yesterday afternoon, he's going to reunite with former high school head coach Sean Iguana, who's been on the ASU staff since 2019. Conover has three years of eligibility remaining. Let's see if Conover can beat the youth. And the first of three home indoor track meets beats, uh, begins today with BYU December invite featuring Utah Valley, Weber State, Utah, Westminster, and Northwest Nazarene. All rise and shout, it is time for What's Trending. Which takes us to what went down at the Marriott Center last night. BYU losing by 15 at home to Utah Valley. The Cougars now 5-5. Five and five. Is this rock bottom? We'll get to that in just a moment. Listen to what Mark Pope had to say following last night's head-scratching double-digit home loss. You know, we got a lot, we got a lot of work to do. Um, 
we gotta we gotta really dig in and get better. It's not gonna be a overnight fix. Uh, this team still has the potential to grow into a really good team. We just have a lot of work to do right now. And um, the guys know uh, that right now we're not playing very good basketball, and we just um, we gotta dig in and and uh, and get better. That's 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 our job. Emotionally, how do you keep this team from going to a dark place where, where things can really get dangerous? Well, you, you go to a dark spot when you lose. You just do. I mean, that's, that's part of sport. Uh, for us, we're, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're also not playing well. And so um, that is, you know, uh, with this new group and this really young group, um, we're going to have a little bit more fragility. But the one thing we do is we have unbelievable high character guys and, and they'll, you know, we're going to start early in the morning tomorrow. And, and uh, you know we know that this is a long-term fix. It's not an overnight fix, and and um, we're committed to, to finding ways to do this better. So we'll keep growing. You appreciate the honesty. Not a quick fix. Long-term fix. Understandably, Coach Pope and his team feeling pretty low right now. But how low, Jerem? Is this rock bottom right now? having lost to Utah Valley and South Dakota back-to-back -back for BYU basketball. It's pretty bad. I wouldn't call it rock bottom. Uh, BYU has Creighton Saturday. That's going to be a tough one, uh, toughest game of the season up to this point. And then uh, Utah the next Saturday, Western Oregon on next Thursday, by the way. If you lost to Western Oregon, perhaps it's worse. But honestly, it would be if BYU <laughs> – yeah, BYU is struggling right now and playing some stinky basketball, but that's not going to happen. They're going to beat Western They're going to beat Western Oregon. Just like yeah. they beat Westminster yeah. and so on. So it's, it's Creighton that's going to be a tough game. Perhaps BYU rise up like it did against San Diego State, but this team's in a different spot than it was at that point. Um, losing convincingly to Utah at home, to me, would be rock bottom. If you are then, you know, uh, below 500 Saturday, if you lose to Creighton, you get back to 500 on Thursday and you go back below 500, lose to Utah. Now, if you beat Utah, who just beat Arizona and Washington State, um, had a good week last week. They're just outside the top 25, top five out or whatever. That, that could sort of uh, bring you back to a place of confidence, uh, which is what we hope happens for BYU. But it's not looking great uh, because BYU – so the answer is no to answer the question. Um, no, not rock bottom. I'll go into some of the issues I, I'm seeing and, and what you're seeing as we discussed last night on the postgame. But it's not rock, rock bottom quite yet. It, it could be – surprisingly, uh, it could be worse It could than be this. worse, yes. Yeah. I'll say this. I hope this is – the bottoming out for BYU. Please. That it doesn't get any worse. Please don't get worse than this. So yeah. I hope that, in a weird way, it is rock bottom as it pertains to this season. Yeah, it could be worse. 100%. Just hope that it doesn't get any worse. BYU's not going to beat Creighton, most likely. And they'll get back to 6-6. Six and six. Who knows? Even they'll if they be a dog against Utah at home. To Utah, yeah. what a, if they can manufacture wins against Lindenwood and Weber State, which all of a sudden feels like a very scary game based on what happened against Utah Valley. Every game is scary when yes. you lose to South Dakota. Lindenwood and is questionable, right? I mean, BYU Every was, game outside of Western Oregon, Spence. BYU was an 11.5-point favorite against South Dakota, lost that game. Nine-point favorite against Utah Valley, lost that game. Vegas doesn't have a good handle on this BYU team. No, no one does. Nobody right does. Now. Yeah, and it's fair. So even if BYU does lose, as they're going to be projected to be, to Utah and Creighton, no. Like, it's, it's as expected. Now, if they lose to Lindenwood and Weber State, then this sinks even further down uh, whatever pit you want to call this thing. But The it, net rankings and yeah, the Ken Palm just... Ay, 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 ay. I said last night, I was trying to think of the last time that BYU was in this precarious of a position as a team. 
you probably have to go back to 2004, 2005, which was Steve Cleveland's last year. That team went 9-21. and 21. They didn't have an identity, really struggled on offense, didn't have an alpha. This team is not that team. And, and I heard comparisons. This might as well be 1996-97 with Tony Ingram. No, that was 1-20. They've already won four more games. Okay. This team is going to win a handful of more games. They might be 500 when all is said and done. They're not going to be. I don't think. They're not going to have a losing record. No, I do not no. think this team will end with a losing record. No, I don't either. Yeah. So this is. It's n- bad. It's not that bad. This is not one and twenty-five. It's not nine and twenty-one. <laughs> but it is. It is a tough position, and the toughest position yeah. BYU has been in in the last eighteen years. BYU desperately needs some leadership. They miss Spencer Johnson in a lot of ways in perimeter defense, sure. in his ability to, to get a bucket, and Trevin Nell. Like those are your experienced veteran players and both are out with injuries that is factoring into this that's factoring into the 11 for 59 from the three-point line in the last two games some of that because trevin nell and spencer johnson are two of the best three-point shooters and experienced three-point shooters on this team no alpha we've discussed it typically to be great like a great college basketball team you need two guys at least two guys that when you need a bucket in the clutch you can be like okay he's going to get it for me you have to have at least one to be okay. That was Alex Barcelo last year. BYU doesn't have that guy on the floor right now. Last night, it was painfully obvious that they didn't know where to go when they needed a bucket in the worst way. Fusini Traore did what he could do, but he's not in a position where he can go get quick buckets. Like he's it an takes 18, a setup. 18 and 10. What more do you want him to do last night? It, yeah, 30 and 20? It's uh, a slow setup to get him the ball. Like, it just doesn't work. He's a post player. You need a guard yeah. that's going to be a bucket getter, and BYU doesn't have that right now. No alpha guard to go get a bucket. Really tough. And then it just kind of starts to look like what the media often calls hero ball. You know, just a lot of one Well, hero ball is great if you have a hero. There's no like, alpha. Like the NBA is hero ball because those guys are extremely skilled one-on-one. There's no alpha yeah. on the guard line, and that is very different than what BYU has had on the floor in the recent past. BYU yeah. has had a wealth of heroes on the guard line in the first three-plus seasons for Mark Pope. Well, Not it's the, been rows on. Yeah, You've always yeah. had two guards that you could trust. Not the case right now. It's tough right now. Yeah. I, so, I mean, <laughs> the question is, where do you go from here? It's a, and, it, and Mark Pope, I don't think he knows. No. He, he said, this is not a short fix. You, this is a long fix. You have the guys you have. Um, so you I Spencer have, Johnson healthy? I see four issues. Well, it's going to be weeks, it sounds like. Okay, I see four issues. BYU's not skilled enough. Just clearly, uh, to your point, they're not skilled enough. I don't think there's a guard right now on the roster that is as skilled as Alex Barcelo, TJ House, Jake Tulson, Brandon Averett types. Those are great players. And listen. Rudy Williams and Jackson Robinson, Noah Waterman, has shown us some real flashes of brilliance. The consistency is not there. Unfortunately, those three haven't been as good individually and collectively as we were hoping to this point. It's not all on those three, but certainly they were brought in to make an impact in the rotation in kind of the top six or seven there, and they've started multiple games. How, how desperate is BYU right now? They started two freshmen last night. They just Let's mix it up. Down hall, what can you do for us? Um, you know, Dallas struggled from the field, 2 for 12. Richie Saunders didn't score in the game. That was tough. That was a tough showing. Certainly the first start of perhaps many in their BYU career. We'll see. Um, T. John Lucas, Rudy Williams, Jackson Robinson, quality players. They need to, they need to elevate their game, right? T. John was good. I think we're hoping he was very good uh, last year. Injuries certainly have played. Uh, that's number two into this. Uh, Spencer Johnson, Trevor Nell, as we mentioned. New scheme, by the way. This takes time to implement and be effective at. 
Still figuring it out offensively, defensively. Well, and when you're doing that with a roster that's turned over year after year with the transfer portal, Every it gets year, even more difficult. And, and to any incoming person, it's their first year in that scheme, even if you kept the scheme the same. It's just, it's just hard. And then leadership, yeah, who's in charge of the group? Who's the alpha? Remember, this is the first season in set of games without Alex Barcella for Mark Pope. Alex always been a good leader. He's kind of that number four three years ago. He was the number one. The Alpha, clearly as a leader and the most skilled player on the team the last two years. Now that he's not there, Rudy Williams was expected to fill that void. It has not been what he or the team or the fans were hoping up to this point. We're only about a third of the way through the regular season, but feels like BYU has told us who they are, yes. like we've talked about in we, football. We know who they are. And they've played close games against uh, Idaho State and Missouri State, and we uh, refuse to believe that that team was close to those teams in margin, uh, those were anomalies. No, now they're not, right? Um, you lose to South Dakota and Utah Valley. This is tough. This is tough to watch because there's a high standard here. BYU is expected to be uh, competitive in the WCC, at least sniff the tourney a little bit. If you don't make it, like last year, you at least make a little run in the NIT. That's sort of the program standard. Every now and then, you have a season like this. And honestly, that's okay because you can't every year be in the tourney as a program like BYU. And you can't every year be yeah. good to very good to great. There are, there are 2017s in football, but it got you Zach Wilson. Like, it was worth it because he had 20 and 21. 22, you take a step back. It wasn't a losing record, no bowl game. You have a shot at eight. You know, you at least got seven. You, have, you go through these spells. You don't want it. You want to reload and recruit and da-da-da, and you're always good. Everybody has a setback. Sure. Even Alabama, who only lost two games. Didn't make the playoff. This year's like a disappointment for them. Like, that's a whole nother level. It happens. It stinks. I hope BYU figures some things out. No, this is not rock bottom. BYU's got two of the next three D1 games are really tough for the Cougars. They, and, and it's a, at this point, and I always talk about this, I want the present to, everyone always pushes forward. I go to church. Sometimes it pushes forward. I'm like, what about right now? What about right now? Um, and in sports, you want to win right now. Here's going into the Big 12. That's this why now it's, becomes that's why it's more panic for most fans. Because it's like, oh, if we can't do this My now, gosh. what does the Big 12 BYU's look like? bad right now. What's going to happen next year yes. when every game is hard? Sure. I want to I emphasize a point that Robbie McCombs put out online, which I think is important in the big picture conversation. And when you lose a bunch, you start to pick at things. Getting the best talent who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints I think needs to be emphasized more. Robbie was making this point last night. I agree. For foundational pieces, the transfer portal is a huge part of what college athletics is, especially in football and men's basketball. At BYU in soccer and volleyball, it's not as big a deal, and they win a lot. It depends on the sport. But in this sport, I think BYU needs more of those pieces. Obviously, football. you got to win the state. And you know who's going to help BYU win the state? Jay Hill, because that guy is invested in Utah football. I'm excited about that part. In basketball, while the Lone Peak 3 didn't turn out like we thought, you still need to get the Lone Peak 3. Hey, TJ Haas could have been part of an all-time team had they gone to the tournament. Yes, and Eric Mika was amazing. And obviously, um, Nick was really good when he played here, and it didn't work out. There were all kinds of things there. But I, I think, big picture, that is one piece that needs to be emphasized, maybe a little more than it has been the last year or two. DEFCON 2 is kind of how I was feeling last night, which is, yeah. metaphorically yeah. speaking, one step away from nuclear warfare. <laughs> but I stepped back and thought, okay, why, why do I feel this way? And it's because of what looms ahead. 
not just in the Big well, 12. Well, and it's UVU. We, we have a certain pride here of not losing wanting to lose to, to UVU. Utah Valley. Yeah. A losing streak to Utah sure. Valley. Yeah. The Big 12 looms. The West Coast Conference is good, Jerem, this year. Yeah. Like BYU. Santa Clara's good again. If we're being real, BYU could play on Thursday at the West Coast Conference Tournament if they finish in seventh place. And they're Well, in fifth place. Portland's good. Santa Clara's good. St. Mary's is good. San Francisco's good. Gonzaga is really good. BYU struggled at Pacific yeah. in San Diego last year. I don't believe BYU will finish in seventh place. I think fifth, I fifth place is kind of what you're middle of the pack. Figuring middle right of now. the pack. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is this is a hard reality check for BYU basketball. Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. Luckily, there's an easy game Saturday uh, against 21st ranked Creighton. <laughs> Shoot. And Utah may be ranked when they come to the Marriott Center. Hey, opportunity to take them down. What do you think? Is this rock bottom? For BYU basketball right now. Joe Nelson on Twitter answers. Joe used to play football for BYU, by the way. This is the type of team that can lose to South Dakota and Utah Valley, which happened, but still potentially beat Creighton this weekend. He's saying this because BYU played well against San Diego State yeah. and then rallied to beat Dayton in the Bahamas, which yep. was a really fun win. Yep. Stressful, hard to watch, Joe adds, but definitely have the assets to be good. Hashtag BYUS on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hopefully Mark, they can pull themselves out of this. Yeah, Mark this Pope is last a night said, tough time. he said straight up last night, we're not good. We're not good right now. We hope, and we're going to keep yeah. working to try and build into something that can be called good. Okay, Utah coming in next Saturday. Hey, in men's hoops, women's hoops is this Saturday. The undefeated Utes taking on BYU ranked 15. That's a big game for the women. Watch it at 7 Eastern on BYU TV. Up next, turn the page to BYU football. Yesterday, it was all about Jay Hill. Yeah. And today in Studio B, again, it's about Jay Hill, the new defensive coordinator and associate head coach is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Love to see that disruptive defense and a good theme as we welcome you back to BYU Sports Nation live on BYU TV and BYU Radio here in Studio B. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. We welcome now into Studio B for the first time as a BYU coach, Jay Hill. It's Ashton's dad. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to be in here with you guys, with her. It's uh, been a whirlwind, but it's good yeah. to be here. I was yeah. just going to ask you, how would you explain, let's say, the last 72 hours of your life? Um, crazy. It was, uh, it was exciting in a lot of aspects. It was fun just to, you know, get down to the nitty gritty with Kalani and, and uh, coming here, telling your team that you're leaving is extremely difficult. Mm. And the guys that you grew to love and everything about that program and what we'd built there to leave it um, is hard. And then I came down here yesterday and it was so exciting and, and you're rapping or you're trying to get going on everything here, and then I had to go back up there late last night and get my office packed up. and um, it, So it's kind of gone back and forth, bittersweet, but super excited about everything here and, and what this place is. And that commute's going to be uh, fun for a little while, I assume. <laughs> Especially if it keeps snowing. Like, Jeez. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Okay, you mentioned it in the press conference, uh, and we showed it yesterday, but um, you invested heavily at Weber State. To be there nine years meant a lot. Um, what, what did it take for you to, to make that decision? Because I know it was hard having put in so much there and had so much success, but here comes this opportunity with BYU. 
Well, I, I think this profession's still all about the people, and that's what made it hard, right, is I had a group of assistant coaches that I absolutely love that have given their all to me and to the program and everything that we were building there. The players were exactly the same thing, that they had just given so much to us. So to leave it is hard. To leave those guys that you care about so much um, is difficult, but it's part of the profession, and it's it's what we needed to do for our career, and it was something that we felt strongly about coming here and going into the Big 12 was super exciting. Being with Kalani and Aaron Roderick and Fessy and Steve Clark and all those guys that I've worked with before is super exciting. So uh, it made sense, and uh, we're geeked to be here. Kalani and your relationship with Kalani obviously played a huge part in all of this, and I know Kalani, he likes to joke, and, and I'm sure through the years he's like, hey, How's it going, man? <laughs> How are you doing down there in Ogden? So at what point in this timeline did it change to where you're seriously considering what Kalani's putting on the table? Well, I think it's always those uh, conversations that, are, that you're having where we kept a close relationship, but jobs were never mentioned. Um, working together at some point in our careers again was always um, something that could happen. We knew that. Uh, but the reality was this thing really never took off hard until the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, I've, I've got some Weber State friends. I, I grew up in Clinton, Utah, Yeah. Okay, in, <laughs> in the shadows of Weber State, yep. that are feeling mixed emotions right now because they're BYU fans and Weber State fans. And so they're like, it's terrible for one program, but it's very exciting for BYU. How, how do you manage um, yeah, those emotions as you push forward and, and, and dive into one entity and, and kind of just end the chapter? Well, one, I hope and pray that the right guy gets put in place at Weber State and that the program continues to get better. That's one thing I hope for. Uh, but uh, I need to focus 100% of my time and attention and everything that we're doing now here at BYU. There's, there's the players, there's the coaches, there's everything that needs to go on in recruiting. Um, our focus and attention needs to be here. I was intrigued and delighted to hear that you grew up a BYU fan. Didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> you end up obviously going to Utah, playing there, coaching there, and so on. And, uh, you know, we got to know your daughter, Ashton, who worked here. She's in the studio. What's up, Ashton? Um, and we were like, oh, we got Ashton to BYU. This is cool. We love Jay Hill. What softening uh, of the sort of <laughs> BYU-ness did Ashton play in this in the family? Well, she did, right? I mean, uh, just her being here and the education she received here and all the exciting things that happened here at BYU Sports TV and everything um, that she did here. I think that there was a softening process there. And thanks, Ashton. We appreciate it. Yes, yes, thanks, Ashton. <laughs> um, but bottom line, um, it's something that we've always been familiar with. I mean, even at the University of Utah, you're not that far removed from – BYU. Sure. I mean, you're playing each other every year, and the competitions that were going on when I was there were always real. And it's like it's not like you were ever that far removed from it. What's agenda item number one for you? Because you say you dive right in. So, like, what's at the top of the list for you right now? Um, getting to know the players that are currently here. They deserve that. Uh, giving them the chance to feel like they really, in one way, get a fresh start. Um, I'm not going to hold anything against them, what's happened in the past, or give them the credit for what's happened in the past. Everyone's going to get a new start. Every, there's going to be tons of competition. I'm going to expect that. Uh, but getting to know them will be big. And then I guess 1B right under that would be we got to get going on recruiting, making sure we have the best possible talent possible because 
we're going into a new league, as everyone knows, and it's going to be very, very competitive. Uh, yesterday, there's the press conference. Kalani last night is uh, with a high-profile tight end in Arizona. I mean, you got to get out there. You've invested heavily in the state of Utah. What is it about the state? We've seen the talent grow uh, immensely, almost as much as the real estate in the state in the last 10 years. What has it been like for you to invest in that, and what do you expect in terms of reaping those benefits of those relationships? Well, I think that that's a critical part of recruiting. You got to take care of your own backyard and continuing to recruit the state of Utah will be big for BYU as it always has been. And Kalani's done a phenomenal job with that. Um, so yeah, we've invested in it. It continues to get better. The high school coaching in the state of Utah gets better and better. The caliber of player continues to get better and better. And now we'll say this, the competition in recruiting has got way harder. And we've got every team in the country coming to the state of Utah now recruiting. And so that's got harder. But, I mean, that's part of it. We've got to defend our own turf. Jay Hill, the associate head coach and defensive coordinator at BYU, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. You look good in blue, by the way, in that graphic. <laughs> that's Kalani, the first Kalani thing that stuck out to me. You look My great in blue. My wife was just making fair fun of what I was wearing. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All good. We approve. We approve. Uh, the timeline for filling in the – defensive group because you announced Gennaro Guilford's going to stay and he specializes yep. with the cornerback so there's questions about safeties and linebackers will there be multiple linebacker coaches, -line. defensive line yep. coach when do you hope to have all of that in place well I would say for sure in the next couple weeks uh, Kalani and I will continue to work tirelessly on getting the best guys here that represent the program that will do a great job in recruiting that will take care of the players that are currently here do a good job of teaching the schemes that we're going to install um, but I, I don't feel like you have to make this decision in the next day or two. We got to make sure that the decision we make are the right guys that are going to come in here and continue to build the program the right way. Um, yesterday on, uh, with Scotty G and Hans, you mentioned the following adjectives for the type of defense you want to play. Aggressive, attacking, confusing. What is it about those three that you love and want to put in? Well, I, I've never been a guy that sits back and wants to bleed a slow death. That is not me. Um, I refuse to do that. I will blitz. I will put every guy at the line of scrimmage rather than just sit there and let people pound us. So th that's not my philosophy. Now, you've got to have the right guys to do that. But uh, that's where the attacking comes in is we will try to get them in second, third, and long situations. Put them in uh, situations where they've got to throw the ball on third and long. And then that's usually when people make a lot of mistakes. Uh, we try to confuse quarterbacks with our coverage, blitzes, the different things that they have to see. You know, some quarterbacks don't mind playing against drop eight, and some quarterbacks hate being blitzed, and others don't mind being blitzed, but they hate throwing into coverage. And you have to do a good job of going in and assessing who you're playing. And if you don't have the ability to be multiple and all those things that you just mentioned, then I think it gets hard to be elite. There are a handful of former BYU guys, linebackers specifically, David Nixon, Brian Keel, Kyle Van Noy, all very excited, very public on their social medias about you joining. And they want to know, are we going to run a 4-3? Are we going to run a 3-4? Uh, what do you lean toward in that conversation? Well, I, I think a lot of it depends on what's the offense doing. I mean, there's going to be times where we're in a three down, and then there's going to be times where we have to base everything we're doing out of a four down so that we can be a little bit more stout. One thing I believe, in the state of Utah, you can recruit great defensive linemen. And so why we wouldn't put four of those guys on the field doesn't make a lot of sense. If you look at BYU's roster right now, they have phenomenal linebackers. And so we got to get those guys on the field. So we've got to be able to be multiple. Uh, I would say our defense is base, based out of a four down front. 
and then with the ability, especially on third down, to be able to get into three down stuff and bring pressures from different angles and areas. But um, I know one thing, we got to bolster the front. We got to get playing with the big guys the way we need to play. And it's music to our ears to hear the talk about the D-line, because certainly that's been a missing piece, I think, over the last several years. BYU's had good defenses, yeah. but the biggest difference between Utah and BYU defensively to me is those D-linemen. So, uh, hey, I'm excited, Jay. Okay, with the Big 12, how much of a learning curve do you expect for BYU to have in terms of not only on the field wins and losses, but recruiting and what it's like in those states and sort of what those offenses uh, tend to do and whatnot? Yeah, I don't think that that's a huge learning curve, in my opinion. They've been scheming great defenses for years now, and they've been scheming great offenses for years now. Will there be a step up in talent consistently each week? Absolutely. Do the games, every game's going to be big, and every opponent's going to be big, and every stadium you're going to go into is going to have a good atmosphere. And so... Are there going to be some changes that way? Yes, but it's no different than what they've experienced in some of the road games that they've had in the past. No different than some of the opponents they brought in the last couple of years. It's, that, that ain't going to be a big learning curve. Jay Hill is with us on BYU Sports Nation, looking fabulous in blue and white. And uh, I think uh, the biggest question mark, maybe, maybe for you as you go into this new role is, okay, well, how is my role going to shift going from a head coach to an associate head coach and defensive coordinator? So what are you anticipating will be the biggest changes as you take on a new role with Kalani Satake? Well, just that. My biggest role right now is supporting Kalani and what he envisions for the program. And he's the head coach. He's going to direct and show us what he most wants done. And then that's my role to make sure that we implement it the way that he wants done. Uh, the great thing about Kalani, he gives us tons of freedom to run our side of the ball the way that we want to do it. That was something very intriguing to me, that we can come in and run it that way. Uh, a shout out to Aaron Roderick. I think he's done a phenomenal job here with the offense. He's extremely smart. I think they've done a great job. I went to practice last night. They got some dudes, that offensive line, and just not just there, the wide receiver crew. Uh, Jaron obviously has had a phenomenal career. They've done a, a great job of building that offense, and there's a lot of guys in the pipeline coming up through that. And that's exciting to me that working with A-Rod and the offensive side of the ball and with Kalani to build his vision on what this can become, I think is exciting. It's a new era with a new DC, so we're excited. We do want to make sure you uh, feel welcome here at BYU. Okay. So uh, we got you a swag uh, box. Heck yeah. So we got all kinds of BYU Sports Nation <laughs> stuff in there for you. I was just telling them today that my, my closet, I cleaned out all my closet from the Adidas gear because I can't wear it anymore. So, <laughs> so a transition to Nike is going to be Nike. big. So we got Nike. We got some Nike for you. Thank you so much. Welcome, Jay. We're excited yeah. to have you. Man. Heck yeah. Can't wait. Super stoked. Jay, thanks for the time. We appreciate it in your busy schedule. <laughs> Thank you, Let's guys. go. He's got the swag box. He's got the swag now. Hey, more blue. That's more what we blue. need here. More blue. That's what we need. Mom and family some swag boxes, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hey, I see a couple boxes over there. Okay, coming up uh, Saturday, BYU men's basketball plays Creighton in Vegas. Big game. Obviously need a bounce back. Hey, this would be a nice way to bounce back uh, against a team that took it to BYU last year. Coverage begins on BYU Radio, 9 Eastern with pregame, Cougar Pregame Live Saturday night. Up next, has Cosmo outdone himself again? <laughs> it's tough to do, but what we saw last night was wild. <laughs> Those are the Costco tables, not like the under the stage I'm tables. I'm still nervous watching center. this. You know what I'm saying? This is BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, 
official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Sports Nation, follow the show on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Yeah, if you don't already, you probably should. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. Time to whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Jerem, start us off. Are you more concerned about BYU's three-point shooting or its opponents right now in men's basketball? The answer is yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm concerned about everything yeah. right now, yeah. but yeah, and I tweeted about it last night. 11 for 59 from the three-point line was just, I mean, over two games, that's hard to overcome, Jerem. At eight, 18%. Yeah. It doesn't help BYU's yeah. giving up 50% from the three-point line as yep. well, but yeah, for me, it's BYU's inability to make threes. Yeah, and, and it's both, because if you don't make a ton, but you defend well, hey, neutralized, whatever, it's another part of the game that's going to win and show. lose you the game, but yeah, no, that's tough. It's, it's both. But I would prefer that BYU makes threes. Yes. Come on, what's the point yes. of all the gyms and the churches if you can't make threes? I know not all the dudes remember the church. The annex. BYU's got an annex. You, you would Before the annex, they made plenty of threes. Tied everyone a Heisman without a uh, indoor practice facility. Sometimes it's funny that we've way. seen that they're capable. Yeah. We've seen that BYU is capable against sure. Dayton and Westminster back to back, right? Jackson and Noah got to lead the way there. There you go. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark making news again. Told reporters last night that quote, "Weed, the Big 12, love to get into that fourth Pacific time zone, and will at some point." Will at some point, rather, end quote. Which school or schools do you think he is specifically referring to? I think he's referring to if the demise of the Pac-12 ever happens, that obviously you want an Oregon, Washington, Utah, maybe Stanford, Cal type thing, right? The best of the rest. But if not, uh, Gonzaga yes. has certainly been discussed. I don't, yep. I don't know that you need, you don't need to add San Diego State. Um, would be interesting if you're like, well, this is the best option and we want to get into California or the Pacific time zone. Sure, but I don't think the Big 12 needs that. Yeah, the branding of San Diego State is interesting. It's tough market because it's just yeah. a pro sports state and area. Yeah. There's just not a ton of juice for San Diego State. And even then it's like just Padres. You know what I mean? Like. Chargers moved out of town. They're just busy. People want to go to the beach. It's all about and LA. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's Hollywood. Yeah. Gonzaga is interesting because that is the community. Like it's it's the Western time zone, and Spokane is Gonzaga. Yeah. Like that that community would absolutely embrace it. That's an interesting one for sure. So I'm I'm thinking he's referencing Gonzaga, but I mean there are always I think Pac he's 12, there are always Pac-12 Pac options. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> Cosmo did it again last night. On wobbly tables, I believe the first time it was three sets of tables. Well, he upped the ante and went to five stacks That's of tables. Incredible. <laughs> and, Can you uh, imagine if he went off balance? I was looking at Blaine Fowler last night when this was happening, and he's like, I'm legitimately, legitimately nervous. Like, I, I don't want him to get hurt. How many more tables do you want to see him add to that stunt? Zero. Or are you good with that? Well, what I want to see again, and I mentioned it before the break, <laughs> these are the these are like the Costco halfers, it looks like. What about the uh, what about the more secure stake center, like 38 feet below the stage tables? Just a wider base. A wider base, stable. yeah. Maybe now we go to six. I don't know. Cosmo's unbelievable. That's enough. Yeah, we we don't need to do another. That's stack. enough. You're, you're good. You're good. I don't want somebody to get hurt. <laughs> That's great basketball. That's enough. 
Grant, granted, he's, start winning he's the now. mascot that skydives into Lavelle yeah. Stadium on a windy day. Like. Uh, unbelievable. Okay, if you missed any of our interviews uh, with new defensive coordinator Jay Hill a moment ago or any conversations we have, game shows, you can catch them on demand on BYUSN.com. Up next, more BYU football. He's back. Special teams coordinator, he's a linebacker expert. Kelly Papinga is back from Boise State. Up next on BYU Sports Days, let's talk more Cougar football. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. BYU Sports Nation continues live from Studio B. I'm Spencer Linton. To my left sits Jerem Jordan. And across from us now in the Cougar Council Room is Kelly Papinga, who returns to Provo, special teams coordinator for the Cougars, defensive assistant. We're waiting to hear the specifics of that defensive assignment. Maybe we should start there, Kelly. But first, an official welcome back to our, our new digs. No, it's awesome, man. Really, really appreciate you guys having me back on. It's great to be back uh, home. Honestly, I could say it feels like home. Walked into the office this morning. I was like, shoot, I feel like I've never left. You know, yeah, it was, it yeah. was awesome, man. So as like I walked in, and everything was, you know, there's a couple new remodels in there, but it just, it just felt right. It felt like home. It felt like I'd never left, honestly. So it was good. It was a good feeling. Obviously, you went to Virginia with the with the guys and had a great experience there. You guys did awesome work. Went to the Orange Bowl and everything. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. Um, and then Boise State this last year. Um, facing BYU last year with Virginia and then facing BYU with Boise State. What was that experience like, it having was, been uh, a player and on staff? So I got to honestly say, more than any game in my career, I wanted to win. <laughs> so, <more than> any, <laughs> so both of those games, more than any career, I was like, oh, I want to beat these guys so bad. And, uh, you know, last year's game was a, just a shootout. And uh, just, you know, cra it was like uh, I was telling Matt Edwards during the game, Lavelle Edwards' grandson, I was like, this is exactly how Lavelle wanted it. Just a, <laughs> a shootout, no defense, you know, on either Old side. game. Yeah. Holy cow. And so that was, that was a tough one, especially coming back home and uh, just not playing. I mean, that was one of the worst performances I'd ever been a part of. And it was just – and they played – you know, BYU played lights out that night. And I give credit to those guys. And A-Rod did a great job of getting their guys ready. And then this last year – you know, I felt like we had a really good opportunity to have them, you know, come up to our place at Boise and, you know, shoot, they had a, you know, they're a great night, you know, and credit to them, you know, the, the losing streak they had been on and man, they got their guys ready to play and they were fired up and, and we gave up, you know, as a defense, we gave up some explosive plays in that game and it just, yeah, I mean, I thought we had, you know, where the ball's on the whatever six yard line and it's fourth down and I'm like, gosh, we, we're going to win this game and you know, Puka ends up making one of the most amazing catches I've ever seen. And, you know, it, when you lose a game like that, you're just like, okay, you know, that just – that's an amazing play. And you kind of just tip your hat off to him. And, um, but, yeah, it was, that was honestly walking off the field that day and then being able to just seeing all these guys and have to face them after, you know, shaking their hand. I'm just like, oh, it just – you know. But it's uh, – you know, it, it, was, it was good to be on that side, to be able to experience that. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess I, you can't beat them. you got to join them, right? Um, so I'm back, <laughs> so I'm very, back, man. It's a very unique dynamic because yeah, you're yeah. mad about the catch, but then you see Puka and you're like, hey, hey nice but, catch. Yeah, I'm on your team. Yeah, now. exactly, like, man. Can you so, come you back? Or? <laughs> yeah, seriously. You won in a way. Yeah. The season's not exactly over. Yeah. Okay, now back to the, uh, the original question, which is as a defensive assistant, we know you're going to do special teams. That's your specialty. How do you see your role on the defensive side panning out? Yeah, you know, I think – 
really at the end of the day, you know, Coach Hill wants to hire the two best guys available that are out there. And so however, however that plays out, you know, I'm not quite sure, but we want to get the two best guys that are going to fit um, what we do. And however that may be, shoot, he might end up coaching the D-line and, you know, I don't know. It, it, so I would say that where I've had my experience is coaching the defensive end edge guys, outside backers, and then coaching linebackers as well. And so I would say probably that's where I'm going to end up, but we'll see after we get these next two guys and how that all plays out. The D-line at BYU, in my opinion, the last several years, has not been good enough. That's the... And that's the key to great pass coverage. It starts with the rush and mm -hmm. so on. Yet the game has evolved to where the ball gets out a little quicker. People want sacks. It's like, well, there's not as many sack opportunities. Yeah. Everyone wants havoc. No one wants to drop eight. Yeah. But sometimes drop eight's the best thing. How has defense sort of changed since you were here at BYU that you've learned as a co-defensive coordinator at Virginia, now yeah. Boise State, now coming back? Yeah, I just I think that you have to have different tempos, and it doesn't matter. Um, and every game is different. I just heard Coach Hill just say the same thing. There's some games where you're going to want to drop eight. There's some games when you're going to want to pressure. I think the best thing is having a scheme where you have different tempos. You have to. you got to be able to drop eight. got to be able to rush four. got to be able to rush five. got to be able to rush six. got to be able to do it all. And so just you know, from what I know of – their scheme that they've done for a long time. I know they do that, um, shooting the scheme. I just came from at Boise State, what I did for a long time with Bronco. That's what where we were the most successful is when we were able to bring different tempos. And really, it's just you got to be able to pressure and confuse the quarterback at all times. And that happens in all different tempos. So if you just sit there and rush four the whole entire game or bring five the whole entire game, like the quarterback is going to know. You drop eight all the time, right? So it's just you have to be able to change it up as the game flows and be able to keep that quarterback just guessing and just, you know, that's that's what I'm used to over the years, and I know that's what Coach Hill's used to, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to learn this new scheme that I've always wanted to know more about, just, you know, going against it, you know, from, you know, the time at Utah that the, those guys have had, so I'm anxious to get, be able to learn that, but uh, what I do know, there's going to be different tempos, and the, the quarterback is not going to be comfortable, and uh, that's what I'm excited about. Kelly Papinga is with us on BYU Sports Nation, new special teams coordinator and defensive assistant. We talked about some of your travels and your experience after you left BYU. Mm. How would you say you changed the most uh, as an assistant in your years away from Provo? Yeah, I would say, you know, I was just having this conversation with, with somebody is I wanted to stay at BYU forever. But honestly, leaving was the best thing that's ever happened to me, that's happened to my family. And to be gone for seven years and the lessons that I've learned and now being able to have the opportunity to come back and apply those things here, um, I'm excited about that. And I would just say the, the main thing that I've learned is you know, wherever you go, it's all about the people. And um, there was amazing people at Virginia, amazing people at Boise State. And, uh, you know, I just I'm excited about the things that they they taught me and those people taught me and how they've changed my life and being able to now take those things and you know apply it here. And, uh, you know, I know there's amazing people here. And so I just, and you guys know, you probably work with amazing people here in the studio, but that's what it's all about. And I'm excited about the players that they have here. I had a really good conversation with Keenan Peely the other night. And uh, just being able to hear him and listen to what he's looking for, it's exactly what I know Coach Hill and the rest of our staff is going to bring. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited to work with these student athletes again, be surrounded by this uh, this uh, culture that Kalani's built and just fired up to be around guys like you again. It's it's an exciting time. I'm going into up. the Big 12. For going to the Big 12, loud. man. It's exciting. Yeah. So it's just that's the other thing I think I've learned is there's a major difference 
from being independent and recruiting and then going to a power five school and recruiting. And I would say, honestly, that's probably the biggest thing I had to adjust to. And I went from recruiting, you know, eight to 10 guys for a position to now recruiting 12 to 20 guys for two spots. And it's just, that's how competitive it is in the power five conferences. And so I, th I think that's going to be an adjustment for, for our staff in general of just the recruiting is going to be a lot more competitive than it's been. And it's going to need to be just playing it against the, you know, against these different opponents that we're going to be playing. And, and uh, yeah, that's, it's exciting. I'm excited for the opportunity, excited to be back, really appreciative for, you know, what Kalani's done to bring me back here and then be able to work with Coach Hill and learn from him. And, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be fun, man. Recruiting's always been a challenge. No matter where you go, BYU has its certain strengths mm. of, hey, we have more access to LDS kids mm. than uh, other schools, per se, initially. But more, more people are recruiting uh, the kids that BYU used to go for. Then there's the transfer portal. It's, mm. it, it is what it is, right? People complain about it. It's just part of the game, whatever. Yeah. How different is recruiting now in, in just generally speaking, and how can BYU best attack it going in as a P5 now? Yeah, I think it's actually to our advantage um, of how it's changed. I think back in the day, it seemed like we had a hard time getting transfers in here. And now, just listen to Kalani and hearing the number that we have a chance to be able to bring in, I think that's that helps you be able to change, I think, your uh, roster faster. Like right? the institution is more apt to do it? I think so, yeah. And it just okay. seems like the numbers, it seemed like there was a limit on the number of mid-year transfers we could gotcha. bring back in the day. And now... Hearing what Klein was saying, it things like it sounds like that numbers changed a little bit, and so that, I think that's to our advantage to be able to be able to fill some holes at some positions that we need to, and be able to not have to sit there and wait to develop. Because it seems like I, I just remember when I was here in the past, we were in the developmental uh, stage for a lot of that. Now it seems like, with just with the portal, you're going to be able to change things quickly, um, quicker, you know, than you having to wait for a you know a freshman to develop for one or two years. You know, I go back to think about Kyle when Kyle came in in 2010. That year, that team was really young, and Kyle had to get going in as a freshman. Now we probably didn't want to play him as a freshman, and as the year went on, he played better and better. But you would hope that you would have a guy in place that you know could get Kyle ready for the next year. But um, I think just the portal is gonna it's gonna help us in that be able to fill those spots that we're that that we're looking for. Well, thankfully this profession is low pressure. I mean, all yeah. we're expecting you to do is find the next Fred Warner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that oh, too easy. Much, is that too much easy. Oh yeah, Fred Warner. <laughs> Kyle, those are those those guys are just, I'm a dozen. just knocking on our door right now, <laughs> ready just, to come. So just down at Tempe and Lehigh, we'll yeah. just go go. But no, we're yeah. I mean, we were we're just in a recruiting meeting this morning and talking about the guys that we need. And yep. I mean, that's Coach Hill brought those both of those names up. Like these are the guys that we need to find, and we need to we need to be actively um, competitive recruiting against other schools for yeah. those guys. And that's that's really ultimately what those guys. You know, I wasn't involved. Um, Kyle was recruited by Coach Tidwell, but I you know I was lucky enough to coach him. But I, um, you know, was in the recruiting process with Fred, Coach Hal and I, and that was competitive right down to the very end. I mean, we're just holding on, you know, USC comes right in at the end. And, you know, luckily he ended up choosing here and, you know, ended up having a great career here and a great experience. But it's just if you're not in those fights, you're really not probably getting the best players um, that we can get. And so, we, yeah, we have to be in those recruiting battles. And I know with Coach Hill, he wants to be in those recruiting battles, and that's exciting. That's, that's what I like to be doing as well in the recruiting process. Kelly, great to have you back. Great to have you in studio. We'll talk again soon, man. Oh, yeah. and here, oh, yeah. Hey, we got a uh, swag box for you as well. So oh, more go, gear. That's go. all I need is some more gear, man. So <laughs> appreciate it, guys. Thank you. You got it. All right, up next, is uh, Jerem pacing for his first fantasy win? In football or basketball of any sort? I'm going to spoil it. I am. Yeah. Details next on BYU Sports Nation.
BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU TV and BYU Radio apps and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Let's recap our fantasy basketball week, shall we? It is contest number so far. one. Contest number one so far. And yes, still, For men's hoops. still some moving parts. Yeah, yeah. Okay, going into last night's game, I had a 15-point lead over you. From women's hoops. From yep. women's basketball yep. and their win against Utah State. Uh, I knew I was going to struggle last night because I had Spencer Johnson in my lineup, and he didn't play injured. Gideon George did his thing. You had Fus Traore and yep. Rudy Williams. Yeah, they, they combined 47. Uh, Gideon George parbs. gave me 22. Points, assists, rebounds, blocks, steals, parbs. It's a thing now. You got a 10-point lead yep. going into the final player. Yes. Which is an opponent. Yes. I have Alyssa Peely, University of Utah women's basketball best player. She averages almost 20 points and seven rebounds a game. Yeah. That's against my uh, code of ethics here. I don't <laughs> So root for use. Uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner of Creighton. Let's go, baby, on Saturday. It's Alyssa Peely versus Ryan It is an opponent, yeah. But it's not a Ute. Not a Ute. It's competitive. Admit it, you're a, little, you're a little worried here for a second. I'm worried you're rooting for you. That's what I'm worried about. Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. And when we ask, is this bottoming out for BYU basketball? Rock bottom. Jim Roberts, MN on Twitter says, nope, 1997 says hello. Well, historically, yes, of course. Yeah, I think we're talking context of this season. But yeah, in the history, for sure. I went to so many games that year, by the way. No one was at Easy the gym. Easy ticket. Jumbotron, I was on all the time. <laughs> Rise and shout out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. We're going to give it to Jay Hill. He's, he's owned back. the last two or days. Welcome, and Kelly Pingo, welcome back. Awesome. Yeah, and thanks to both those guys for joining us on the show today. Fantastic interviews. Sorry to Dennis, we ran out of time. You can catch all our shows and games on demand on BYUSN.com. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Brady Papinga. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU nice. Sports Nation. Go Cougs. It's Kalkbrenner versus Peely for the first fantasy basketball win.